So the reason that Flexperience was so honored to host these awards and this panel is because of our commitment to the future of work. We see this dialogue as a critical component for our business. What we do is connect experienced professionals with flexible contract work at clients like Genentech and Levi's and Pixar. So we're trying to be a pragmatic, practical solution to helping clients get the talent they need when they need them for an affordable rate. Part of that is enabling companies to think more globally about their own workforce strategies, focused on results, output, not input. So that's just a little bit of grounding as to why I am personally committed to this and why we wanted to put this on for today. So with that, we'd like to start with the, the business drivers, right? Everyone is here today because the economic situation is uncertain and what was important last year has maybe changed for this year and may change next year. So what are some of the key business drivers that take us from one year to the next so we're not feeling all over the map? And I'd like to start and have everyone sort of talk a little bit about why your organization decided to take a flexible work path um, and, and even defining what flexible work means in your organizations. Melody? Okay. Does this work? <laughs> okay. Um, Winter Sawyer, I'm probably the anomaly on this panel because we're under 300 people, so we can be a little more flexible in our flexibility. <laughs> um, I was lucky enough to go, I've been with the company seven years, they already had a fully flexible work environment at the time that I went in. So I got to tweak it, I got to enhance it, but I was lucky enough to have something that was fully embraced by the organization. The drivers initially were obviously recruitment and retention, employee morale, the standard things you see for flexibility. You know, I could go on and on, and actually Patricia mentioned almost everything I had down here. but. Um, it, it's a cultural issue. We don't see it as an HR program that's run by HR and maintained by HR. And I think the two examples I can give is we have a fairly new office in Novato, and we had just hired a new executive. And he came in, to, and I was doing part of his orientation, and he goes, you know, when they walked me around Novato, your vision and values are in the lunchroom. And one of the employees pointed to it and said, we actually do that here. <laughs> and I think that's a, a really good example. But the other thing was that when we did the employee survey for this program, we just put it on our internet. We didn't mail it to every employee. We put it on the internet and said, we have an opportunity to get a benchmarking report that tells us what we're doing well and how we can enhance it. And employees had the option of, of completing that survey. And I was really happy to see that, I think one of the most telling things was over 90% of our employees felt like they had control over their work hours. So when you look at how stressful life is for all of us right now, the opportunity to know that there's not an impact if you're five minutes late because you know, you ran into traffic getting to the office or whatever those things are, it just takes away needless stress. So for us, flexibility tends to be, you know, people have flexible start times. The good majority of our employees work nine days on, on and have um, every other Friday off. Um, we're in the midst of building out more Bay Area locations, but our long-term philosophy is not only to build a better telecommute program, but to have locations that are closer to where people live so they don't have the obligation necessarily to commute to the city. Um, if I looked at, I tried to think of what are the things that are important to me. And I worked for a really long time, probably 16, 18 years in an environment where you got there on time and you were completely measured by how often, how many hours you sat in your seat. And at one point I even was interviewing with a top law firm here in, in the city. 
And they told me that I would have to sit in my seat 12 hours a day to be considered a value add, and I decided to stop interviewing with that company. <laughs> but the messages from both of those companies were they wanted somebody who was always going to pick the company over their family or significant other. And I wanted to be sure that wherever I was and, and wherever I was helping to lead the HR strategy, that we weren't asking that of people. Because if you ask them to pick the company and make the company first, ultimately they're going to resent that and they're going to leave you. Um, the other thing, again, because we're small, that for us flexibility is not always about equality. So it was interesting, in the survey, our employees were much more generous. I was very rigid in how I filled it out. Oh no, we don't have a program. Actually, we probably have a practice of doing a lot of things. So our employees made us look better than I think I made us look when I filled out my portion. But here's an example um, you know, of the types of things we'll do. We have an employee who um, now he's on full-time leave, but he was seriously ill with cancer. And he was on a total work restriction. And he called and he goes, I have to work. And he goes, I wake up at 2 PM or 4 PM in the night, and I have to work. And so I talked to his bosses. They had some backlog. He was an IT person, projects he could do. We got permission from his doctor. And he had total flexibility that if he was physically able, he could go online and do some of the backlog work. As, as, and, and our only thing was he couldn't do more than two hours in a day, because we wanted to be sure he didn't overtax himself. But it, that's a very common thing for us, is to look at what's the individual situation, what's the need, and does it make business sense? Obviously, we're not going to create something that doesn't align with our business, but it's really looking at the individual. And not so much, could we do that for everybody? Because the answer is we could do it for similarly situated people. But his peers and the people that knew about it felt wonderful that we were doing that for one of their friends. Um, the other thing is my philosophy is employees don't have to earn the right to participate in flexible programs, but they do have to earn the right to retain them. So that's kind of how it works for me. Great. Thank you. OK, great. Thank you. And welcome to everyone. We're thrilled to, to host this today. Thank you. Um, you know, the question of how did we decide to go to a, a flexible uh, workplace path, I think really started back, um, you know, in the early 2000s, around 2002, 2003, when um, our late um, chairman, Gino Kelly, who sadly died of cancer um, several years ago, had a vision that we needed to uh, really do a better job of being an employer of choice and try to increase morale, increase retention, and just truly make our firm a great place to work and a great place to build a career. And truly, it was his vision that was shared by the rest of the 1,700 partners um, across the country that we initiate uh, several initiatives towards that end. And we did our one of our initial work environment surveys back in 2003, I believe it was. Um, and, and, and we didn't like the results. And we wanted to be real transparent. And we wanted to do something or some things to really try to move the dial and make that happen. And so we listened carefully, and we, we um, acted on a lot of the survey results. We created local action councils in every one of our offices, for example. Um, and they weren't made up of partners. They were made up of, of a partner to facilitate and get it kicked off, but really a cross-functional, diverse group of our employees, um, front office and back office, uh, that would really participate in coming up with what were the initiatives we needed uh, to roll out as, uh, as a firm and as local offices to help facilitate the, the needs um, from a work-life balance perspective for our people. And a lot of things came out of that that um, are so exciting that 
that, that were birthed out of that from everything from uh, you know, special days to be able to volunteer, so paid time off to volunteer once a month to um, certain diversity networks uh, to really promote diversity and celebrate that in, in each of our offices in our cities. And, and then, of course, the work-life balance and how do you get to that. And certainly flexibility is a big element of that. And as I think it was said earlier, you know, flexibility really is kind of how you define it. And a lot of people um, immediately jump to, and Sally, we talked about this before as well, that it's, a lot of people equate that to part-time schedules. And I think that is one element. But it's also flexible schedules. And um, whether it's something like working nine days and off one Friday, or you know, in the summer months for us when it's not quite as busy, why not reward our people and give them Jumpstart Fridays so they can leave at three o'clock on Fridays? And they love that. And so you know, that's just things that you can do and still be productive because you don't want to lose productivity. In fact, I do believe that a flexible or some flexibility in work environments um, makes for happier people and, and so your productivity will automatically be higher. And I think John, my partner John Hill did say it right, that you know businesses can thrive if you do this right. And it's just the right thing to do as well. I, I truly believe that. Um, but I think that, that the, the whole idea of flexibility is also got to be something at the street level that our engagement teams and the people on the ground truly embrace. I mean, obviously, we have to set the tone at the top. And, um, you know, I have the privilege and the honor of, of um, leading this office in San Francisco. And I have to tell you, I love my job. I really have the best job. I've always felt like that ever since I was hired in 1982 in Fort Worth, Texas, in my start group before. And I moved out here in 1998. Um, but I have to tell you, you know, but I really I love my husband and my dogs. I wasn't blessed with children. but. You know, I love to spend time, um, you know, doing the things that I love to do personally. And so I want to embrace and support a work-life balance, which does include an element of flexibility. And I'm so encouraged when I see my teams and they, they meet, uh, and I'm an audit partner, so many, when I'm not running the office, I'm um, signing opinions, which is what I'm doing quite a bit right now in our busy season. But um, it's exciting to see um, the teams, and they sit around as they talk about how they're going to to execute on an audit and look at what are the areas of concern in this market and, and just in general. But they also sit there and they say, what's important to you as a person? As you, you know, and what, what are the things we need to make sure we're respectful of? And maybe somebody says, well, I'm on a co-ed softball team that plays on Thursday nights or whatever. And so the team really, we call it team of choice actually, um, where the teams actually work together to find those opportunities uh, that are the things that are important and try to work around that so teammates um, can, can, can also get their, like, their goals in terms of personal life. So I think you know, that was why it was created and I, I don't want to you know, take up too much of my time here but I do think that today is a different day and I think that we need to look at it even more than ever and I think somebody said it so right that you know, it is the tough times that people will look back and say, how did they feel they were treated and, and what are the initiatives and opportunities you provided them in a down cycle, uh, even more than in an up cycle. So I think that is good for all of us to remember. Um, and, um, and certainly, you know, the, the, play by pl the playbacks uh, when the, the sun does shine again on this um, market uh, will be the barometer of how did we do and when we uh, get the reports from our people on how they felt. So 
Um, it's all about here, high touch, low cost ways to um, connect with our people and, and I'm, I'm proud that every partner in this office embraces that. Kind of an odd to hold this little microphone. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, We're making do. Dual AV. That's right. So I, I think the thing that's interesting about Genentech is the incredibly complex business that we're in. Uh, we are in a business where uh, the medications that we work on take from 7 to 14 years to go from um, discovery into people's hands. Uh, there's incredible unpredictability. The FDA, we're highly regulated. The FDA can come in at any time. We have very little control over some of what happens to our folks at, on any given day. Um, there is a lot of complexity in the drug development process itself, unpredictability. I think the, the standard probability of success is about 50%, yet Genentech seems to continually beat that probability of success. And we had eight positive phase three clinical trials in last year alone. So, you know, in this complex, unsure risk environment, um, it's an interesting conversation to have about flexibility because you really don't know exactly when the workforce mm -hmm. is going to be called on to do uh, you know, an amazing amount of work and, and have to be there at the drop of a hat. So you know, I just want to frame the conversation in, into that complexity. Uh, we found a confluence amongst three data sources that really helped us sort of open the conversation with our executive committee. One was we really started paying much more attention to our exit survey and we improved our exit survey data collection process to really get at some of these issues and start to call out um, the difference between work-life balance, perceptions of work-life balance issues from overload issues and overload issues from career opportunity kind of issues. So we, we cleaned up our exit data process and we started to get some great data about people were concerned about flexibility and they didn't feel that they had um, options for flexibility as much as they wanted. Uh, we get an enormous amount of comments from our Great Place to Work survey. I mean, just thousands and thousands and thousands of comments. And in those comments was great information about how our employees felt about flexibility, about career <coughs> opportunities, and so forth. The third source was a study that we conducted um, interviewing directors. We did a cross-director population study and found that, again, flexibility, career opportunities, those kinds of things rose up to the top. Armed with these three you know, data sources, I think the, our executive committee was really open to having the conversation about what kind of initiatives we might work on in the next few years to change the way that our evolving workplace responded to different trends and, and needs of employees. And so I think that, that the business drivers were really around diversity in our leadership pipeline and around retention and attraction and around responding to a changing world, a changing workplace. And I, and I think that our executive committee got that. It necess wasn't necessarily the easiest sell. I think there's a bit of uh, a dash of corporate precedent mm -hmm. that got thrown into the business drivers and, and our desire to remain a great place to work, not just in terms of what that means for that survey and the list, but what it really means for employees. And so those were our critical drivers and that paved the way to build on the small little bit that was already there around flexibility, working career flexibility. Thank you, Steve, and thank you for that generous comment early on. 
feel like the old lady here, <laughs> having been involved with um, whatever you want to call it for over a dozen years. And um, I, I think the Sun Microsystem story is, is, is very different from mm -hmm. the previous three. So let me just take you on a, a little journey. Um, 35,000 employees worldwide, um, a lot of infrastructure, a lot of cost in real estate bricks and mortar. And we're also, the network is the computer company. So for 20 plus years, we've been very, very much ahead of the curve in terms of knowing eventually what the internet would be able to do. So as, as early as a dozen years ago, there was a, the, the business drivers, there were dual drivers having to do with the vision and the knowledge that ultimately the internet would allow for a phenomenal about amount of access to information, that the information would be on the internet and not necessarily on a laptop or at an office. Combined with um, walking around even a dozen years ago and seeing that most of these little offices, because we were the ones who thought it would be very competitive to build private offices so that we could recruit people away from HP. Um, and when we, when we first built one of our behemoths, which is now 15 years old, the um, research that went into it was actually very much about engineers needing heads down, um, heads down private, you know, and in those days, that was true. Um, so what was built 15 years ago is no longer true. And so I can speak to an evolution of what started as a concern about bricks and mortars and cost, <coughs> and also about technology and about the infrastructure. You'll notice I'm not talking much about the employee, nor am I talking much about flexibility. I'm talking about adapting the infrastructure to the way people work. And they were working that way a dozen years ago already, and now they're like out there. So I've seen a sea change in the last three years. Um, thanks to technology and thanks to um, what I would call sort of the, the, the modernization or the, um, the, 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 the ease of using technology. You know, we see our kids now and they're wild. They're out there, they're doing all kinds of stuff that many of us didn't even know would be possible. So now we can talk about, you know, the employee value proposition and how important it is. But a dozen years ago, everybody was sort of coming into the office. And we started experimenting with um, an infrastructure where systemically we would link different attributes of the environment, the physical environment, the technical, and of course the social, to see that there would be another way. But early on, the technology wasn't there. So um, some, of, some of the early definitions of what we were doing and the current definitions have really morphed. So there's been an evolution from what was experimentation with alternative work to what's now what we call open work, which means you can work anywhere, anytime. And um, very, very, very little on the hours or, you know, that sort of just becomes an obvious element to the whole to the whole picture but it's definitely the way we work it's not a program it's a, it's it's the culture itself